The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 141 for the week of November 11th. Alex, uh, it's it's 11:11. What's your wish? Um, oh, you're putting me on the spot, Rob. Um, but you know what? If I if I tell you my wish, then it won't come true, right? You, so, That's the right answer. Yeah. So I, I, I've got it in my head now. You, what, you, what, what's your wish? You passed. Well, it, it's it's not actually that day yet. So I'll have it. I'll have it tomorrow. I'll be ready. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, well, Alex, uh, we we are back a, a week for you being away. Um, I'm glad to have you back with us. Why don't we jump into some of our housekeeping and then we can talk some news. Uh, before that, I appreciate how you uh, you talked me up in last week's continually newscast. threw you under the bus in yeah. comparison to a ten year old. Yes, I, I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> Uh, so housekeeping. Uh, hey, Rob, did you know we have a Slack channel? We do have a Slack channel, and it's uh, it's been just really lively this last week. Uh, yeah. A lot of great conversations. I've been struggling to keep up with it all. So I think if you, if you get in there, make sure you join the channels that you're interested in, and, and I think you can find some, some really relevant talking. We also have a mailing list. If you go to our website, colorado-security.com, scroll to the bottom, put your email in the form there and hit submit, you will be on our mailing list and get show notes in your email. And that same website is where you would find the link to join the Slack channel. It's a little bit higher up on there. Uh, We'd also love it if you would rate us and subscribe to receive the podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. Your your rating of us helps us um, find new listeners and and folks who are interested in finding security in the area. I'm sure they'd love to know what you think of us. Also, please tell everyone that you know, whether they are friends, enemies, uh, acquaintances, random people on the street, let them know about Colorado Equal Security and that they should uh, subscribe to the podcast and check out all the cool stuff. And if you're wondering, what's the easiest way for me to tell random people on the street about the podcast? I would say it's li- by by wearing Colorado Equal Security swag. So oh, you, you hey. go out to the swag store and, the, the, and you could wear a shirt much like I'm wearing right now. Well, Rob, what's another way that you could get a shirt? Uh, another way you could get a shirt is if you were to sponsor our Patreon campaign. Uh, we are always looking for those who would help us uh, support the show. If you want to be a part of that, why don't you come out and uh, go go to, go to the Patreon campaign also on the website, and you will get a free shirt with a, was it $10 a month sponsorship? Yes, sir. Um, also, uh, we do put in a fair amount of time for the podcast. Part of that time is doing interviews of people in the community. And, uh, you know, Rob and I also have limited time. So if you would like to do some of those interviews, we would love to have you. Uh, so let us know if you would like to be an interviewer for Colorado Equal Security, or if you think you have something, uh, an interesting story, or, uh, you know, you think people would like to hear about you, let us know and we'd be happy to get somebody to, to interview you. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the news for this week. Uh, first off, uh, Alex, there's a list of the scariest airports in the world. And guess which one's on it? Um... Poughkeepsie. Uh, Savannah, Georgia. You're right. Oh, Savannah, yeah. Georgia made the list. Oh, yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, it's it's on the list because there are there are uh, graves underneath one of the uh, one of the runways. I thought that was honestly the most interesting thing in that whole article. Uh, they show a picture and there literally are gravestones on a runway. Yeah. Uh, they did note, however, that it is down near the end of the runway where planes never actually you know, travel over them. Well, but they said that if uh, if the run, the airport's not very busy and there's some extra time, they will sometimes allow planes to taxi over there and that there is a secondary radio frequency they can switch to, which is the the cemetery tour uh, uh, frequency. So people can actually learn about those uh, about those uh, graves. But we weren't here to talk to you about the Savannah, Georgia airport. Oh, there's another one on the list. 
Denver International Airport is on the list, Rob. Did you know that? I, I did know that. I got that far in the article. Uh, and interestingly enough, that that uh, airport is also built on a former burial ground. It used to belong to Native Americans. Uh, wonderful. Um, also, there are, as you know, lots of conspiracy theories about uh, Denver International Airport, whether there's, you know, aliens underneath the airport or secret tunnels or, you know, whatever military base, whatever it might be. Uh, some of those construction ads that they're doing now, you know, make fun of that a little bit. And of course, there's also uh, not, it's not a rumor. There is actually a a, a blue horse sitting out front that is uh, a, it's a devil horse, right? Lucifer. Uh, Lucifer, the devil horse of Denver, which guards our airport or is there to to judge those who come to the airport as worthy or unworthy, depending on your opinions. And of course, Lucifer's creator uh, was killed in an accident uh, where Lucifer fell on him while he was creating Lucifer. So, yeah, so very sad very story and, and true. Um, and so anyway, it's good to know that we made a national list. And once again, suck at Austin. <laughs> uh, on, a, uh, on a different note, uh, there are some holes in the Colorado Open Records Law uh, that means uh, some government data you know, may not be accessible uh, because it is an electronic form. So I think it's worth just mentioning what is the Colorado Open Records Law. There's the ability, especially for, for media folks, but I think any citizen, to make requests for Open Records Act to say, you know, send me you know, these government documents so they right. can, we can really get transparency on how our state is run. Yeah, it's, it's like a, for, a FOIA request for the federal government, right? Just, hey, I want to have this for freedom of information. Yep. Um, and this is, you know, I listen a lot to to local podcasts, especially like Colorado Matters, the Colorado Public Radio. And they use these Colorado Open Records Act requests to do, do their investigations. Well, they've run into, not not them specifically, but generally recently we've run into issues where uh, those requests run into uh, data retention requirements, right? Yeah, some of the things that they mentioned in there is that there have been times where there have been requests for email from government employees, and those emails have been deleted either... Um, you know, just because they've gone past the retention period, say of 90 days or something like that, um, or text messages where those are no longer accessible um, after a certain time. And, and it is an interesting um, thought, right? Because we, you know, security professionals, we want as much data to go away as possible. We don't yeah. want to keep that around because we don't have to want to have to protect it. Uh, but in a case like this, uh, you probably want to have that for posterity in some cases. Yeah, they they specifically talk about how a number of the legislators in Colorado are using Signal and Confide, which are both apps that allow you to automatically delete messages after they've been read, uh, which from the security perspective is is pretty stinking great. From right. from the open records and you know kind of uh, citizen open transparency perspective, it's, it's not good at all. So we do have an interesting balance here. In 1996, um, the the state acknowledged that uh, digital records are a part of Cora, that they should be required to be um, open just like any written records, but they haven't given any guidance around right. what the retention requirements should be. So there are, there are some municipalities that are deleting emails within 30 days, making it really tough for anyone to get transparency there. Yeah, and there, along with the guidance, it doesn't say what sort of data should be included in those records, right? So, yeah. um, you know, do conversations over signal? Does that count as a, an official electronic record? We don't know, but uh, definitely needs some work to figure that out. Yeah, so I found that interesting. I think this, you know, for those of us in security, it's really a, a perspective that's worth considering. And as citizens, you know, let's try and figure out what is that balance. I, I think we all agree, we, you know, it's, it's probably a bigger deal to have a massive data breach where sensitive citizen information is breached. But at the same time, these communications about how we make decisions is how we hold our leaders accountable. Exactly. Uh, next, we had an article in the Colorado Sun from Tamara Chung 
talking about uh, CCPA and how it is going to affect you no matter where you live. Yeah, I, I read through this. There wasn't a lot of surprises here. I think this is a great uh, 101 for those who don't know a lot about CCPA and, and what are the expectations going to be for companies that do business with California residents. Uh, you know, it's not just a question of updating your privacy policy. Right. I think that was kind of the, the headline in my perspective. Yeah. And obviously updating your privacy policy is part of it, but there are going to be lots of other responsibilities that you will have along with that. Um, you know, letting people opt out of you selling their data, uh, data deletion, other things like that. Yeah. All, all of those informations, uh, all the data that citizens might want to know about what you're doing with their data, basically they have those rights in this case. And it's going to be awfully tough to segment it to just California for most national businesses. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how many organizations provide the ability for non-California residents to uh, to exercise those same provisions, right? I mean, you're still going to have to to be able to, to do it for the California residents, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to give that same option to folks that aren't in California. So, All right, uh, moving on to the next story. This is actually, you know, last week was election week. It's, it's an off-year election, but there was a number of interesting stuff, things going on, some statewide ballot initiatives. Yeah, sports gambling. It's, Bring it on, Rob. You know, it passed, right? I believe so. It passed by just a, a small margin, I think. It was pretty even. Yeah. Uh, so so anyway, this article here is talking about the fact that the Colorado National Guard was aiding in election security on Tuesday. Uh, I was not aware of that. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Not a whole lot of detail to the article, but just that the uh, the governor had asked for the National Guard to be uh, to be on duty. That you know, this is one of their responsibilities for uh, for crisis situations, and they they deemed this to be a, a serious enough. Uh, effort that they they called in the National Guard and, and had them uh, monitoring for election threats. So when you went into your ballot, was there someone with a rifle sitting there, like keeping you the, safe to make the vote? That they showed up at my house when I was filling out my paper ballot Good. and, and Good. made sure everything was cool. Uh, interesting. The article also notes that the National Guard was also a part of the 2018 election, so they have been uh, they've definitely been a part of this, and this looks like an ongoing responsibility as they look to 2020. To yeah. To help maintain the uh, security of our elections. I, I think it, in general, it is a great use of an organization like the National Guard. And, you know, we've heard before, too, in talking about uh, the CDOT breach, for example, that, you know, they helped respond to the CDOT breach. Um, you know, this is exactly an extension of what you would think of for an organization like that in the cyberspace as opposed to the real space. All right, moving on to the next story. What would you say, Alex, would be like a good year-over-year growth for revenue for a quarter? Oh, um, I don't know, maybe 539%. Wow. Well, I guess to that to that end, Managed Methods had a good growth quarter. Wow, that's awesome. Glad to hear it. So they, they just had a press release saying that their Q3 year-over-year revenue growth was 539%. Um, so if they made uh, what one dollar in in twenty eighteen, they made five dollars and thirty eight cents in twenty nineteen. That is awesome. Which is actually a pretty small number. I wish they'd done better than five dollars. <laughs> well, but you know, good for them on, on increasing it so much. <laughs> yeah, uh, presumably it was significantly larger numbers than that. Uh, yes. Great growth. Good to see these guys making some real progress here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we also had a blog post from Ping Identity. Uh, talking about multi-factor authentication and in a report that the FBI just came out with and, uh, you know, maybe what could have been better in that report. I guess the FBI's uh, uh, report was kind of led off with saying that cyber criminals have figured out a way to circumvent some kinds of multi-factor. Um, and, and I think that there was a lot of interesting stuff, I thought, in this blog post, actually. Uh, Andrew Goodman, who's a product marketing guy over at Ping, wrote it. And, you know, product marketing, I don't always think it's going to be the best content. It was great content. I, yeah, I, I felt it was like very good content. Way. 
Um, but but I think Andrew w- was pointing out the fact that hey, you know, the the research that's out there, and he actually shows a couple different surveys or certain different uh, research reports uh, show that. Any MFA, even like the, the ones that can be defeated, um, it, it gets rid of about 99% of the right. account takeover type things that you get without MFA. And But it's, it's maybe irresponsible to have an article out there that says, you know, the cyber criminals have figured out how to defeat MFA. Right. Just, stop, of, just stop using MFA. <laughs> right. it, it's over. Game's over now. Your unintended consequences, FBI. Remember who's who reads this. It's, it's not just technical right. people reading it, right? It's a lot of people who, who have been on the fence about whether they should apply MFA in the first place. And now they're like, well, it's not working anyway. Why should I be inconvenienced? Yeah. Um, and it, it is interesting. There have been a number of news stories around in general um, about the, uh, the the fact that MFA can be circumvented, mostly the uh, the, the text-based um, code MFA. Yeah. I even had a friend of mine who is a non-security person reach out to me this week with a link to one of those articles just asking me what I, what I thought about it. Um, so I think the point of the article is a good one. You know, this friend of mine thought, oh, well, should I really be worried about this? And, you know, generally the answer is no normal person. You probably don't need to be too worried about um, having someone, you know, sim jack your phone to get your uh, get a hold of stuff. But it can happen. So this blog post goes into a little bit more details about the fact that not all MFA is created equally. Obviously, SMS is is known to be maybe the easiest to to defeat right now. But even the better kind of push type uh, notifications uh, come with some challenges right now, especially with Madlishka out there. It's been what a year or so since that that uh, attacking tool has been in the wild that allows you to kind of scrape replies and and forward it over to the right um, to the the malicious website or the or the the valid website. Um, so so I really appreciate this, and I think you guys should read it. I, I do think that the 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 only way to really get through these different kinds of way defeating MFAs is to move to FIDO two, get the uh, you know device to website level of assurance. Um, I, th- I don't think you have to do it for everything though, right? right? Figure out where are your highest risk transactions and maybe put it in place for that. Right. I mean, definitely a risk calculation, right? You, you don't necessarily want to have to have a FIDO2 um, device to be able to, you know, I don't know, log into your, you know, King Supers account for, you know, your grocery. But, I mean, I would even say maybe you don't need to have it to log into your bank, but when you go to add a new yeah. tra- transfer, a new account that you're going to move money to. Right. Well, let's, let's do that step up then. So it's, that's where the, that's exactly. where we put the friction, yep. but I can check my balances, you know, with, with the lower level for sure. Uh, Optive also had an announcement this week that they are launching a service for Microsoft Azure Sentinel. So uh, Azure Sentinel, that's Microsoft's new kind of cloud SIM, right? That, Correct. That's part of their, their infrastructure as a service uh, offering. Um, and so Optive has really bundled some services around how do you manage this this new tool that and I think I think we're all trying to figure out how do you how do you do security in the cloud still? Yeah, and I think that these types of tools, um, Azure Sentinel and Google Chronicle, uh, they are they're very interesting in uh, the promise that they have. You know, cloud based. They you know potentially have um, you know a gigantic amount of storage and the ability to do very fast searches. Um, and I've also seen a number of different organizations like Optiv and other VARs, you know, coming to give those sort of support services around them. So interesting to see how that that's developing and, and what's going to happen next. And it looks like Optiv services don't just do security. They also have some operational tasks there. So uh, consumption models, uh, looking at usage met, uh, metrics and, and performance indications, indications. That's you know, de- definitely something that's outside of just security. Exactly. Uh, Swimlane had a blog talking about understanding APIs, and in this case, particularly SOAP APIs. Yeah, so Swimlane, obviously, your automation uh, play here in town. They do 
uh, all kinds of security operation automation. Uh, I like, I really like the fact that they're trying to get some real technical detail for those folks who are using it. I'm sure you're using a lot of APIs to do integrations to their platform. So that's probably where this plays in. I'd say it's, it went pretty deep. If you're, if you're interested in getting more information about how APIs work, this would be a pretty good place to start. Yeah. And I believe that they have uh, some other ones, probably a rest one uh, and things like that on the, on the blog list as well. A uh, final bit of news for this week, we have a story from Webroot, which is the revival of ransomware. Basically, they go through in 2019 what has been the nastiest kind of, of malware out in the wild. And they break it down into a few categories. Uh, that They start off with ransomware. So the number one biggest ransomware uh, threat this year has been Emotet. Uh, also, TrickBot and Ryuk, which I guess are, are kind of part of the same right. ransomware uh, ecosystem. Different stages, I believe. Um, and then the second biggest ransomware right now has been Gancrab, which sounds different to me. <laughs> um, Gancrab did take a vacation for a while, but now they're back. Oh, that's that's that one. Yeah, the yep. one who said we made a billion dollars, now we're retiring. Right. But they came Just back kidding. six months later. We're, we're taking a vacation. Um, also, phishing, uh, company impersonation, and business email compromise were the, the two biggest things for phishing. Not surprising. In the category of botnets, Emotet made the top of the list there. And in crypto mining and crypto jacking, Hidden B, which is one that I was not familiar with, was yeah. uh, top of the list there. Yeah, I, I'd never heard of that. So I always expect, because you know, I listen to the Sands Internet Stormcast and CyberWire. And so I, I, I always think I'm going to know the names of all of them. So it's, it's interesting right. to come across one that I've never heard of. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's it to the normal news. Alex, uh, this week, in, in place of doing a feature interview, we've decided to do some more in-depth coverage of the Colorado Technology Associ Association's Apex Awards. So let's do a little bit of time talking about it. You are our reporter on the scene, so I'm going to look for uh, you uh -oh. to, to add context as we Sweet. go through these stories. We have a, a set of stories in the in the show notes that you guys can look through, uh, and we you know we'll go through the high level results, but also we'll spend a little bit more time talking about the ones that are most related to security. And of course, uh, the Apex Awards are the big award ceremony every year from the Colorado Technology Association, and they have uh, awards in, in many different categories. And uh, I've been to the, uh, the award ceremony now for, for three years. Um, this year was a little bit different. In the previous years, it was a little more of a, a formal event. You know, you had, uh, you had tables where people had a sit-down dinner and uh, some speakers and things like that. Th this year, uh, it was more of a uh, sort of a social event. You know, it was um, mingling and, and heavy appetizers and then sitting down for the award ceremony. Uh, sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a good time. Were you wearing a black tie? I was not wearing a black tie. Um, I was wearing a suit. Uh, we will get results on the CISO of the year. Uh, I know you were one of the finalists, but we're going to hold that off for the end because it's the most exciting. It is. Uh, starting off with the Lifetime Achievement Award. So the Bob Newman Award uh, goes to someone who's really spent you know, decades helping with the Colorado Technology Association's, uh, well, the Colorado Technology um, Industry, right? Um, and this year, it was Rich Liner. He won. Uh, Rich has been part of the staffing agency in town for, for quite a while. But I think he's really recognized for building a kids tech program, which is about serving underprivileged youth and getting them into technology. Yeah, and it was an interesting um, interesting story that, that Rich told as part of accepting his award. Uh, he was one of the folks that was involved at the very beginning, at the founding of the CTA. Um, but, you know, he sort of had to be convinced to, to start with a, with a nonprofit and donate his time to that. And that really was what got him down the road and eventually to, to helping start kids tech. And so, you know, he's noted how valuable that was and, and um, 
you know, I kind of feel the same way in, in my time working with nonprofits. And I, I think it's something that they can be really valuable and rewarding uh, on a personal basis. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, next, they had the uh, the award for advocate of the year. Uh, this is sort of technology advocate of the year. Someone in the community that has been pushing technology in Colorado uh, forward. And the winner this year was Denver Mayor Michael Hancock. Yeah, I was surprised to see this. I, I, you know, I, I don't think I knew all of what he had done around technology from the article here. There's a couple of great examples, though, stuff that I just didn't know he was a part of. Uh, he helped recruit the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office to open a satellite office in Denver in 2012. And I had heard about that, and um, I think that's while while we haven't seen uh, dramatic shifts in the number of intellectual property filings as a result, uh, I still think it, it's just part of the ecosystem, right? Getting right. getting people thinking about that. And another thing he did is he was actually one of the big supporters of the launch of Denver Startup Week back in 2012 as well. Yeah, he also mentioned uh, some stories about uh, going to various places to help uh, talk to, to companies to recruit them to come to Colorado. You know, we, we do a lot of these stories about the, the Colorado Economic Development mm-hmm. uh, Committee giving people subsidies, but he talked specifically about, uh, I believe it was a trip to uh, Australia and New Zealand uh, because there are a number of, of startups there that are expanding and they were trying to-, to Did he get zero? Them. Did he get zero to come out here? Uh, I, I don't know. That could have been one of them. He didn't yeah. mention specifically, but that, that could have been one of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are lots of uh, great things that sound like that he was doing. And uh, it's his leadership and, the, you know, the city of Denver in general. And he, he was nice enough to thank um, a lot of folks that he worked with at the at the city. Awesome. Next award was the CEO of the year. And this year's CEO of the year went to Angie's List. Uh, the CEO there, Brandon, is it Ridenauer? Yes. Yeah. Um, interesting story about Brandon. Uh, they they talked about how, you know, he has really been the, the, the leader for them to bring together um, Angie's List and Home Advisor. You know, mm-hmm. th- these were two competing companies that were brought together to form uh, one company, and he's kind of led them through that that transition in, right. in apparently a, a positive way. That's so. awesome, and that is one of the companies that I think we're going to talk about them in a little bit longer too. Yeah, uh, go ahead, next one. Uh, CIO of the year, uh, uh, Zayo's uh, Sandy Mays won uh, for CIO of the year. Uh, interesting story. I I don't remember much about it, but um, <laughs> I, uh, good for Sandy. I actually know Sandy just a little bit. Uh, she's very customer focused in her CIO. So she's not just in, you know, doing internal technology for Zayo. She's really trying to make sure that the technology supports customers. Uh, she and I have talked about, you know, Ping is a customer of Zayo and, and, and learning about how, how they help and how they're really trying to look to the future for to make things more innovative. I thought she was a good pick and I'm excited to see Sandy win the award. Uh, next was the emerging leader of the year. And the winner there was Jamie Cohen, who is Angie List's uh, CFO. Congratulations to Angie! And you mentioned that she was one of the one of the youngest CFOs at any public company ever, in, right? In, in history, it was either the second or third youngest um, yeah. in history at a public company. And she was on the forty under forty list. So that's that's all we know. Right. <laughs> so we're below forty. So presumably, you know, she's graduated from college. So somewhere probably over eighteen. Uh, congratulations to Jamie. Uh, next. The company of the year is Cable Labs, and we'll talk a little bit more about that because Cable Labs is one of the companies that that, that we know, right? Uh, at least we've known Mike Glenn over there in the past. I know he's moved on, but yeah. they have they have a strong technology and uh, security presence as well. Yeah, and you know they're doing a lot to push uh, push technology forward. You know they help create standards for the cable industry. So you know as you are seeing the the speeds of uh, of your cable internet go up. You know, they're the ones that are behind the standards for that. And they were talking about uh, 10 gig 
cable standards that uh, that just came out. What? Things like that. I know. What would the uh, what would the modem connection sound like uh, on that? Uh, the, a little too high pitched for the, me. I don't the know. Nego- the negotiation Whee! phase. <laughs> Uh, next, uh, emerging tech company of the year uh, was BlueStack. Uh, th- that was an interesting story. They're out of Colorado Springs, and they started a, it sounded like a sort of a file sharing document management platform that was aimed at, uh, the, at the military. And apparently this has been a really good story for them to help uh, sharing information between military, civilian, contractors, um, those sorts of things to really help uh, you know, push uh, the speed that, that this stuff is happening. And uh, that, that sounded like a really good story for them. They started from a, I believe, a team of four that, that started the startup, uh, I'd say like two years ago, maybe three years ago. And, and they're looking to be at like 90 um, here in the near future. We'll just briefly mention that another a finalist for that emerging tech company of the year was Managed Methods, who we talked about earlier. And I think we have a little bit more news about them in a minute, right? Yes. We'll come back to that. Yep. Okay. Uh, the, the final category that we have here is the project of the year. And th- this is, a, of course, a technology project of the year. And the winner of this was the St. Vrain Schools Innovation Center. Uh, what I, I got a chance to read some details about this. And it's just like a really cool thing. They built this, what was it, like 50,000 square foot innovation center where all of the students of the district are welcome to come uh, participate, be a part of it, get their hands on technology. Uh, and I love getting students out of the classroom and into getting their, you know, the opportunity to actually try this stuff out. Yeah. It sounds like uh, St. Vrain is doing some really cool stuff around technology for their students. Yeah. So. And I'm not sure that it's the most innovative project of the year, but it may be the most impactful project of the year in my mind. You know, other, other places are doing things like this, but man, the more places we can get these innovation centers, the more places we can get students out of books and, and ended actually doing, I think the better off we're going to be in the future. Exactly. Uh, and then uh, next, uh, Managed Methods was also um, nominated, I believe, as one the, of the, the finalists. Yeah, yeah, for the Emerging Tech Company of the Year. Yeah, yeah. And there's a little more detail on that. Um, a, spe- a special article just about them, right? Linked in the show notes if you want to read all the details about it. Anything in particular that jumped out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think it is interesting in general that uh, if you want more details on this, there are profiles on all of the finalists in the, the Denver Business Journal. Um, I, th- I think some of this is paywalled so you'll probably have to uh, find a Denver business journal either in print or um, get, get a subscription to see some of it but um, they talked about how they are you know they're very school focused and we, we've seen some of that in the blog posts that we've uh, we've talked about with them in the, in the past but that they are now securing over 1 million user accounts for cloud-based apps in over 70 school districts so uh, it sounds like maybe they did make more than five dollars and 39 cents this year that's fantastic that, I love to hear that uh, so another award we didn't talk about yet is the Colorado Entrepreneurial Excellence Award. So this is a, one of the awards that didn't come from nominations, I think, right? It was actually kind of someone who was just picked I believe, as, yes. as the winner. Uh, so the winner is someone we know pretty well, right? Trent Hine. We've yeah. had Trent on the show. Uh, Trent is the one of the co-founders of Applied Trust that was later acquired by Via West, later acquired by... Whatever that, or what are they? Flexential. Now, now they're flexential, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, in the last, what about it, about a year or so ago, started up a new company called Rule Four, which is them focusing on uh, cybersecurity around uh, like IoT, blockchain, kind of the harder, newer AI, technologies, right? You know, new things where where people may not be focusing today. Uh, and uh, th- there's some interesting things that they they talked about, and you know, we may have covered it in a little bit when we interviewed Trent uh, for the podcast, but 
that you know he started his uh, his first technology company at the age of 13 uh, where he was uh, doing soft Apple II software um, you know when he was very young so he's been entrepreneur entrepreneurial for, for a very long time and he's also founded you know three other companies as an adult um, including rule four and uh, I trust and yeah. applied trust as we mentioned uh, and I, I really like the call out here on the article that Rule 4, we, we've talked about this, but they're go, pending certification as a B Corp, which is a designation that means that the, the company's goal is not just about profit, right? It's, right. it's also public about benefit. some kind of public benefit. Yep. So they're, they're, they're identified their purpose and they're really making sure that this company cannot just turn into you know profit-driven, you know grind them into the ground to make the, the most money. Right. Yeah, their goal is to make money, but also to make the world a better place while they're doing it. So I think we've we finally got ourselves to the CISO of the year conversation, right? We have. Um, so there were three fantastic finalists. We had Debbie Blythe, James Carter, and Alex Wood um, as as our as our finalists. Uh, Alex, should we just start off with the winner? Yeah, let's let's do that. All right. So the winner, uh, CISO of the year, is, is Logarithms James Carter. Big congratulations to yeah, James. Great, great job, James. Congratulations to uh, you. You know, James, uh, obviously someone who we know well in the community. He's been active participant in Colorado Equal Security. Really doesn't just stay in his lane within you know running a security program within Logarithm, but it's really helped the bigger company there, and of course the bigger community as well. Yeah, they talk about some of his efforts um, around education. Uh, teaching at uh, at CU Denver and volunteering some time at University of Denver uh, for some of their advisory groups, um, and then also some of the work that he's done at Logarithm, um, not you know from a product perspective, but the uh, the internal stuff where you know he is trying to push a zero trust model inside of Logarithm, which is pretty cool. That's fantastic. Uh, and so of course the uh, one of the other finalists is Debbie Blythe. Debbie is the CISO for the state of Colorado. Um, Maybe we could talk a little bit about what, what we know about Debbie. Yeah, and we've had Debbie on the show before also. A couple times. A couple times. Um, live live keynote at RMISC this yeah. year. Um, you know, one of the things that they talk about here is some of the accomplishments she's had at the state, uh, implementing MFA. Um, uh, and th- I think one of the most interesting things, and which we talked about on that, that live podcast, was that they are doubling the budget for security um, for this year so that they can get a, a bunch of those projects that they've been trying to do yeah. done. Push them over the line. Yeah. I mean, I, I know very few places where year to year they will they have doubled the budget of someone's security program. That is pretty cool. From, from $10 to $20 occasionally, right? Well, 539%, Rob. Right. Uh, so congratulations to Debbie for being a finalist, uh, really well deserved. And then, of course, the final finalist is is you, Alex. Obviously, we know, we know a little bit about what you do. I, I would just point out that you have spent, man, just – maybe more hours helping the community outside of your job than anyone I know with uh, ISSA and RMISC and of course, Colorado Equal Security, a, a lot of stuff going on there in addition to a full-time job supporting the company that you're securing. So appreciate that. Well, thanks, Rob. Um, I, I know you, you pulled out a, 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 a little- <laughs> it, it is Halloween time, so I pulled out a, a Halloween sort of specific thing. A factoid thing from the article. Uh, apparently, you use your first computer. I did not know this. A yeah. Commodore 64 to make a flashing pumpkin, which then you then put on your front porch on Halloween. Yeah, we actually, on, my, on our porch, we had a window that faced out from inside. So I didn't actually put the computer okay. outside, but I, I put the monitor in the window, so when you came up to the the- the door to get candy, you would see the flashing pumpkin. I honestly think we should be doing that right now. This is not, this is not something that should be that that should be limited to whatever your 1982 or whatever this was. Yeah, um, I'm sure I could go dig up a Commodore 64 and, you know, a couple days reprogram that basic program to to flash the pumpkin in the window. Well, that is our that's it for our coverage for the 2019 Apex Awards. Uh, congratulations to all the winners. 
I do recommend if, if you're interested in getting involved with the broader technology community here in Denver, you maybe go to this next year. It's, it's not that expensive. It's a really good way to meet a lot of folks. Um, and, and of course, you know, be part of the future of, of Colorado's technology. Yeah. I, I will also say for the apex awards, the, the nominations are, these are open nominations, right? If you know someone in the community, um, whether it's a security person or someone else, um, you are free to, to nominate them when the nomination period comes open next year, whether it's your CEO or CIO or CISO, whether it's for a project you've done at work, whatever it might be, um, you, there's no special sauce to this. You just have to fill out a questionnaire to get the nomination in. Um, we would love to see more and more people uh, from our community get nominated and you know anyone else that's doing great stuff. Yeah. It, wouldn't it be awesome if the whole slate of everyone up there was all security related somehow? Yeah. We can make that happen next year. You got you know a thousand of you guys listening out there. Maybe maybe when it comes down time next year, maybe I should actually all go do nominations instead of ignoring it, the call for action. Hey, hey, how about that? Hey, let's move over to the Slack message of the week. Uh, yeah. Big thanks to Andre Gata. Andre has been sponsoring this for, man, a couple years now. I uh, appreciate you doing this, Andre. Uh, the winner of the Slack message of the week each week gets to pick one item from the Colorado Equal Security Swag Store. This week, the winner is Greg Sternberg. Congratulations, Greg. Uh, he posted an article this week talking about the physical effects of ransomware. And I thought this was a, a really interesting article um, that ransomware and data breaches, when they happen, they are linked to an uptick in fatal heart attacks. You know, that, so that's interesting. Totally random. I listened to a different podcast this week about Iron Man and and that there's an interesting kind of correlation between fitness and heart attacks. And you go, you know, being not fit high on, on heart attacks and as you get more fit it gets lower heart attacks and then you get to like iron man and it goes back up again and those people are more likely to have a heart attack than... you're, you're pushing yourself a little too hard yeah, is kind of the idea there? So. yeah i don't know this has nothing to do with ransomware but right but this is the kind of thing you get from colorado equal security exactly but i could totally see where you know your mom or your grandma or, or somebody they get a ransomware screen that pops up on their computer oh my oh all the <laughs> great sound effect there rob i, lo I love that um you know, all of a sudden you are, you're very concerned because, you know, whatever it was that was on that computer is now lost to you. Right. You think. Yeah. Um, and it mattered. And, yeah. And I, I think that that could cause some real world stress. And apparently it does. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it for, uh, for Slack message of the week. Congrats to Greg. Move it over. We do have an event calendar on their website. A lot of great events coming. You're going to see in the next two weeks, we've got uh, a dozen or so as well. First, uh, SecureSet is doing a Hacking 101, creating a virtual lab. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I really recommend getting to that. That's on, on the 12th. Um, on the 12th and 13th, ISSA Denver are doing our November chapter meetings. That'll be downtown Denver, Boulder, and the DTC area. Take a look at the calendar to see where each of them is. And it looks like on the 13th after that meeting, ISSA Denver is doing a workshop, 12 Ways to Hack MFA. On the 16th, the Colorado ISSA... Colorado Springs ISSA chapter is doing their mini seminar. That's the Saturday morning event. On the 18th, the ISC squared Pikes Peak chapter is doing their November chapter meeting. And please note that that moved from the 20th. So if you're kind of in in, in your uh, normal ignoring that part mode because you know when it's going to be, they actually moved it up two days. So look for, look for that on the 18th. On the 19th, uh, Denver ISSA's Women in Security SIG is getting together. That's going to have their November meeting. On the 19th and the 20th, ISSA Colorado Springs is doing their November chapter meetings. A couple of, a lot of events on the 20th. We also have ISSA Denver doing a November happy hour. OWASP is doing their November meeting. And DENSEC is doing their November hangout. That's going to be at Rhine House once again. On the 21st, ISACA is doing their November meeting. 
And finally, on the 21st, ISC Squared is doing their chapter meeting. Uh, that's going to be top three services that help change the security of an organization, starring Chris Nickerson. Oh, and after that, uh, you can take a week off from events because no one is going to be silly enough to do a wink, uh, a, an event during the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, I do want to jump ahead just a little bit and give a, a preview. The ISACA ISSA joint holiday bash is actually scheduled now and you can get your oh, nice. get your tickets. That's going to be at the Soil Dove again. It was a great venue last year. I, I really appreciated getting to see folks there. So if you have some free time on the uh, on the 10th, uh, you can go out there and, and enjoy that. that uh, is, that's December 10th. December 10th. I believe also that is a limited space uh, event. So if you want to be able to go, you have to get a ticket. You can't just show up. Buy your tickets today. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's jump over to jobs. Uh, first, Rob, are there any ping identity jobs this week? Uh, there's no jobs on the list what? for ping right now. I, that's me knocking on wood. Uh, the team is, is at capacity right now. Awesome. Uh, but we do have the state of Colorado looking to hire a director of security and investigations. Sounds fun. Centura Health is looking for a director of data security. Cognizant is hiring a senior manager for cybersecurity architecture. Bank of America is hiring a bunch of people. Uh, but one of those jobs is a VP tech manager of information information security engineer. Yeah, they get a lot of jobs, in, and I think yeah. they're in Republic Plaza right now, uh, and they're going to be moving into the Optiv building at some point, uh, from okay. what I heard in the Slack channel. Uh, Dish is hiring a Sling application security engineer, and they're also hiring a cloud security engineer. Yeah, I think Dish is also um, ramping up their hiring. Uh, Nelnet is looking for a cybersecurity engineer. Conversant is hiring a senior cyber GRC analyst. Optiv is hiring a security compliance analyst. And this one was interesting. Red Canary, our, you know, our favorite local managed EDR company, is hiring an in-house counsel. So if you're a lawyer or you know one who would be great for a, a burgeoning security company, that'd be a, a good opportunity. Sweet. And that is it for jobs. All right. Well, that and that's it for the podcast, right? Yeah. We, we got our, uh, uh, our, our kind of feature interview out of the way with our, our Apex Awards, and we are, we're excited to... I don't know what we're excited for. What are we excited for, Alex? We're, we're excited to be done recording. Uh, we are. I'm excited to go enjoy the rest of my Sunday. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this week. We'll look forward to talking to you guys next week. Thanks, Rob. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.